and welcome to episode 33 of Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, where an artist and economist walk into a podcast and things happen. It's episode 33, Stephen. 33, very interesting number, 33. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, of course, of course, there's all of that. Um, there's all, all that stuff in, uh, you know, Thomas Kinsella's Another September. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, that, 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 that whole idea about, um, uh, you know, uh, making it past the age of Christ and all that. Yes. It, it sort of, did, it, at least in, in, in Thomas Kinsella's uh, mind anyway, you know, he's staring at himself in the mirror in that poem and he's sort of looking at himself going, oh, oh yes, this is, yeah, weird, you know. So this is all of that, um, you know, uh, that, yeah, that, I, 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 uh, I actually love, I love the, the opening part of that poem, you know, uh, uh, dreams fled away, this country bedroom raw with the touch of the dawn wrapped in a minor piece. Like, uh, where would you get it? Like, it's very where would you get it? You know, that, yeah, the shade, that's one where he's shaving, is it? He's shaving, yeah. He's staring at himself yeah. and going, Jesus, it led you old. And then he's going to knock the poem out of it, which yeah. is awesome. Gorgeous. Yeah, there's a certain, um, ah, yeah, it's great, it's great. But you know what? There's there's a fierce bang of heeny envy off that poem. Mm. You know, I, I remember there's, a, there's another line, and it's like, um, uh, exhale rough sweetness against the starry slates. And like, that's a, that's pure heeny, like, you know rough loam rips from the ground and you're like haha you know everyone yeah. trying to be famous Seamus uh well there's yeah. worse people you could be I suppose that's fair <laughs> that's a fair point that's absolutely fair absolutely. well I on a much uh, like I know I meant to be the the art the artist in this equation but uh of course what comes into my head when I think of you know when I do that Irish terrible pronunciation of 33 without the third um, I kept thinking of all this week the whole Wild Mountain Time trailer and the oh God, Irish yeah. accent thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to be honest with you, I'm totally watching that film. <laughs> I think everyone I think is. The entire country is going to watch it just to hate it. You know, <laughs> like a good old say, hate watch. I have to say, I love romantic comedies. Like I love yeah. them, and I will mm-hmm. stack them up. Yeah. To watch them, because like. There's so much grim stuff going on, you know. Like mm. I, I, I just, I just. The only thing I go for in a at the end of a a day is just I go for the most mindless, mindless, mindless stuff. Well, I think um, this is just, pretty, pretty yeah. mindless, definitely. Oh yeah, no, no, this is not. This is nobody's going to be like, and the Oscar goes to, you know, <laughs> Emma Blunt or whatever. Well, yeah, and like, it's funny. I absolutely adore Emily Blunt. I'd watch Emily, her Emily, in not Emily. anything. She's brilliant. And Christopher Walken. But dear sweet Jesus, like the biggest yeah. crime lies with um, I don't know, like anyone listening to this, if you have ever watched an online YouTube t- tutorial given generally by English people or American people of how to do an Irish accent. And it is what is wrong with the world. It is the problem because is, they don't it talk the, it is the that's the problem that is the problem that because the problem. they don't consult a, a proper you know accent coach they just say this is an irish accent and you you and i both know like within the county of limerick alone there's 10 accents but oh, you yeah. can still hit it, a healthy enough generic accent um and there's this one, she's like, okay, today we're doing an Irish accent. And so the most important thing in an Irish accent is oi, oi. like Ireland, oil. oil. And she keeps saying the word oil because that's our second word. And then she basically has this sentence, oil, be having, I'll be having some of that oil. It's like, 
nobody has ever said that sentence before no. you and no. this other guy an english fella has a whole thing he's like so we did an Irish accent today and you you talk like you have a little bubble in the front of your mouth a bubble so they, I don't know what they have been smoking or what, but unfortunately, I feel these are consulted religiously by Hollywood, and because that's what every Irish accent sounds like. This, yeah. no, and, no. and then you you find some beautiful accents. So in normal people, uh, Daisy Edgar Jones, um, she her her uh, when when I, I'd never I'd never heard of of her before uh, um, that 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 show. And um, I was genuinely shocked to find out that she was English. That she was English. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what? No, because <laughs> she, her, her accent was perfect. I would have said she was, this lady is born in Sligo. This is fantastic. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, or in the, the show Preacher, uh, there's a UK, um, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he does, it's, it's nowhere near as good, but it's, a, it's passable generic Irish, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's not you can't say oh that guy's clearly from Dublin or or whatever. You know, you know one of the, one of the best Irish accents like it was very specifically done. Um, did you ever see the film about Adam? Uh, no. Oh, you'd love it. Oh my god. Anyway, it's early two thousands. Um, Kate Hudson, who is um, oh. Goldie Hawn's daughter. Goldie Hawn's daughter plays a Dublin Four girl, like a Dunleary girl, and she is. She sounds like now my cousins aren't from Dunleary, but a lot of my family are from Southside yeah. Dublin, and she sounds like them. She just sounds like them. Like it's amazing. It's a really, okay. really, really good. And and yeah. there's another English accent, English actress whose name escapes me now, but also brilliant. And That's amazing. So I just feel the issue is not the actors because actors will do if they're told they're doing something right, they will stick with it. But yeah. if they're told to do something that is inherently disastrously wrong. And they don't have the ear to know. Like if I was, yeah. if I was acting in something and I was being asked, um, okay, Anne, you're going to be doing a New Hampshire accent. I'd be like, mm. okay, what's that? Because I, I don't know. You need to teach yeah. it to me and I'll do it. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, so they are relying. And apparently like Jamie Dornan told her she was doing great. So it's yeah, so, so that is so another sort of problem. This is like, it's so, it's so problematic, but, but um one of the things, first off, the source material is apparently atrocious, you know, so that's not great. You know, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. The, the second thing is there's an actual Irish person there going, this is, this is going great. <laughs> you know? And I, I, it is interesting because if you look at all the actors, they're kind of there to not play to their type. You know, yeah. you can see Christopher Walken and his agent, and he's like, "Well, what's your plan here? Am I am I playing yet another grizzled cop slash army man slash watch find watch um, um, holding enthusiast? You know all that. No, you play a you know a disgruntled farmer dad kind of guy. All right, Just okay, screaming all Ireland. the time. So wait, I get to go hang out in Ireland for a couple of months. Sound." And yeah. I get to not be the grizzled cop lad. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jamie Dornan? Um, do is there any need to, to, for me to show my arse? No, no, there's no need. Granso, uh, <laughs> Emily Blunt. You know what's your plan? You've been you've been starring in, in basically sci-fi movies for for a decade. What are you going to do now? I don't know. Hang out in the field. It's rom com. Rock on. <laughs> Sweet. Nothing can go wrong here. Um, she she was in a, another atrocious rom com uh, called The Five Year Engagement. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, which is now a very good, like it's quite old now. But what's yes. really interesting about that film is um, uh, two of the supporting actors 
your man from the Guardians of the Galaxy and um, the uh, lady from Community, who is really, she's really funny, Alison Brie. Mm-hmm. The, if you look at the thing, I think it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, what's actually shown now is those two, because their careers have exploded since. Yeah. Like their yeah. careers have gone absolutely supernova. Like, um, yeah. oh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, his name, who's in Chris Pratt? Pratt. Chris Pratt. So he's, he, he's like holding down a billion dollar franchise. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Like nobody, nobody, nobody would have imagined that the chubby idiot from Parks and Recreation would be holding down a superhero franchise. Exactly. You know, um, um, literally, with the force of his comedic personality, uh, and and Alison Brie is. I mean, she's been in amazing stuff. Yeah, she's a fantastic, she's fantastic, fantastic actor. But yeah. yeah, but like the two leads, but <laughs> nowhere to be seen <laughs> yeah. in the promo. You know, I, I wonder. I wonder is 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 this going to like think about the voice coach right you know mm-hmm. um so so at a certain point there are moments in your CV that you just kind of have to gloss over like can you imagine the guy who was like the credit risk adjuster for Anglo Irish Bank in 2007 you know I mean? <laughs> like he's still around or she's still around like they're still doing their thing presumably um but they're like, yeah, so I got my first job at HSBC and, you know, and then I moved on to Goldman Sachs and then, and then I went, and then, you know, and yeah. so can you imagine like, what do you do? Oh, I'm, a, I'm an, I'm an accent coach. Oh, really? What have you done? Well, I did this and I did that, Shakespeare, blah, blah, blah. and then, it's, and then, you know, it's, you gotta imagine it's not, it's not going to be a great moment for the, um, the actors. Possibly not. But then again, does anyone really care apart from us is, is the thing that's like Irish Americans. Yeah. I, I'd afraid from canada contact me and said look i i you're the only irish person i've ever met i don't know i can't hear it and i'm like sure of course um yeah but then then uh you know but he was laughing he just said like dear god like he's in montreal and he's like seeing this wave of of just reaction from ireland and obviously it's caught on you know it's caught on internationally but the thing uh, someone said i realize now to make (laughs) blunt irish they dyed her hair red and put muck on her face yeah so so i think the accents are sort of um i think they're a code and the code, or not code, but like, like what's not being said here is that this is a small bit racist, mm. right? It's, it's literally like, it's not just tropey. Do you know what I mean? It's not just tropey. It's like yeah. they literally rubbed muck on this woman's face. <laughs> like they went, you know, like that's a choice. It's an editorial decision. Somebody went, you know, do you know what would make Emily Blood more Irish? Actual dirt. <laughs> do you know... <laughs> You think this doesn't make sense? It's one of the world's most beautiful women, and you're trying to rub a clot of muck in her face. The well, grand, the red I, hair, fair enough, whatever. Okay. I mean, fairness, she had red. She dyed red hair in the Devil's Wears Prada, which she is... can rock a bit of red hair, whatever. Uh, now that was an amazing film. Oh, that Wears was her Prada. breakout role. She's very, incredible. Very, very, very uh, interesting uh, uh, film because, of course, it sh- it shows the the Devil's Wear- the, the the best bit about the Devil's Wears Prada is um, that. The nice, uh, caring, genuine person uh, who 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 is embodied by the um, the assistant, played by the Oscar-winning actress who who was in Les Misérables. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Um, the only thing that you can do to succeed is to destroy your initial personality. Yeah. You must literally rewrite yourself like a fucking hard drive. Yeah, 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 <laughs> into yeah. your oppressor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in order yeah. to succeed. Which is a heartwarming tale that girls all over the world will 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 view as empowering. They all know that now. You know, as, oh yes, you also have to be dressed uh, by yet another stereotype. 
Uh, very, very importantly, um, and uh, yeah, theft within the offices is is, is very good. It's it's an um, absolute romp, though. It's a great movie. I, I there is an interesting. Uh, there, I was reading. Um, uh, I, okay, I'm aware of how this is going to sound now. So just, mm. just, I understand this is going to sound incredibly wanky, but I did this, um, and this is what happened. So I read a, a book of W. H. Auden poems. Mm-hmm. Uh, this weekend and one of the one of the uh, uh he's my favorite poet and i didn't realize because I, I bought this thing for a, for a pound back in like 1999 i'm one of those nerds that literally writes down when you buy the book and i thrown it in the back of, of a bookshelf our house is covered in bookshelves mm-hmm. um which is another wanky thing to say but it's true and uh <laughs> i'd forgotten about it and it literally fell out it, you know the, the whole there's they're just books falling out all the time and it's mm. fell out and i hadn't seen it before in the book is a whole bunch of limericks that W.A. Jordan had clearly put together for the crack. Yeah. And, and it's not his best book. Like his best book is, is, is called uh, September 1940, which is, that's the one with, you know, the W.B. Yeats in memory of, you yeah. know, he became his admirers. It's all this kind of, you know, mad Ireland hurt you into poetry. Now Ireland has her weather and her madness still. That kind yes. of thing, right? Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. there's this limerick and... <laughs> <laughs> and it weirdly connects with what we're talking about. So this is a limerick written by W.H. Auden about Ireland. Okay. And here's the limerick. A friend who is not an ascetic writes, Ireland, my dear, is magnetic. No snakes, lots of elves who just offer themselves rather small, but most sympathetic. I mean, right? Elves? Elves, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's a bit like, you know, well, you're going to write a limerick about Ireland as a, as a, as a sort of a, an English uh, gentleman. What are you going to do? Oh, elves, bit of mud in the face. You know? <laughs> it's all the same, right? It, it's all the same. It's kind of like, I, I imagine uh, what, one other thing, though, is our, um, uh, you know, when people call uh, the Taoiseach the prime minister. Oh, yeah. And people go, it's actually the Taoiseach. You know, and, and, pe- and you know, people on the BBC are like rolling their eyes going, yes, we're aware, but why should we have to explain that Taoiseach means prime minister? You get it. He's the prime minister, whatever. Mm-hmm. And people go, no, 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 his, his term is Taoiseach, whatever. Really means chief, which is unhelpful, really. Uh, when trying to convey sophistication. <laughs> As you're the chief of a <laughs> tribe. You know, anyway, um, the... The, the thing I found most interesting about that is people are like, why do you guys have such a chip on your shoulder about this? You know? And then you, you kind of go, no, it's us saying that our language and our terms and our views about things have, you know, value, have proprietary, have some sort of, you know, we're not saying that we, you need to call Boris Johnson the Taoiseach. No. You know? But respect like our terminology that you apply our terminology to someone else. What we're saying is just apply our terminology to us. Yeah. You know, Well, you don't call the president of the United States, the prime minister, like that's a president. They don't have a president in the UK. Do do you know? That would be weird. But but the president is the equivalent of the prime minister of the UK. Exactly. Do do you know? So it's just, um, I think it's a bit of respect. It's a funny thing, actually, if ever... I uh, want to convey to someone if they kind of turn around to me and said, well, why do you need feminism? Like, what's the big deal? Like, why don't you just get over it or whatever? And the, the best example I can give uh, an Irish man, say specifically, 
Yeah. It's like, well, how do you feel when somebody says to you, uh, Ireland, it's really England, isn't it? It's the same button gets pressed. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's not like, obviously there's a whole lot of nuance and a lot to it. But when someone tells, say, if a woman is trying to assert a a bit of equality around something or something has been passed over or some some issue is just being uh, made glib or flippant by by the person with the authority, the best framing for specifically an Irish man to understand what that feels like is if an English person says to you, I mean, I mean, you're really English, aren't you? I mean, what's the difference between Ireland and England? It's that yeah. same kind of dismissive. It's that yeah. same lack of awareness mm. of, you know, well, no, actually, <laughs> you are the oppressor and you should cop on and uh, yeah. and, and recognize your, you know, what, what what's happened. Um, I was like, Can you hear a noise in the background? No. Nope. No. Okay. Sorry. There's, there's an animal hitting a door but uh as long as it's not coming through here that's okay no, 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 <laughs> very sophisticated animals knocking on the door but come here uh so i'm here look, so i am so i am oh me or to me we oh, could talk are. all day about everything Stephen, you and me but we are trundling gently through a little questionnaire over these number of weeks oh, yes. so they'll yes, probably yes. bring us to christmas so uh and we do have public answers as well to play mm-hmm. with so um Last week, uh, yeah, I have the next question. I don't think we need to stay too long on this one, but uh, the uh, the question is, what do you dislike most about your appearance? What do I dislike most about my appearance? Yeah. Um, I would say that... Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, when I'm annoyed or I, when I'm trying to show... When I'm trying not to show that I'm annoyed or vexed or whatever, okay, uh, my face completely betrays me. Okay. <laughs> like if I'm if I'm um, uh, when I'm concentrating as well, like I just look really angry. I'm just like, <laughs> like I just have a you know you know a, re- a resting annoying face, annoyed face, annoyed face, <laughs> annoyed face, and you know people have said like I see Stephen, he's just there, you know, and he just looks so annoyed. What's what's going on? And Elka's like, and my wife is like, oh, that's just him, you know. This is what he looks like when he's when he's when he's thinking about something. And um, yeah, no, I, I think there's that. I think the fact that the fact that I I I, I will very often not very often, but uh, recently, quite often, I've been in quite difficult conversations, um, and I tried to keep my cool. Uh, and my voice won't betray the fact that I'm interior rage man sure uh, but my face absolutely will because i'm bright red and i'm just like you know <laughs> and i'm trying not to be yeah so that's that would be the that would be the thing i most is like is, is my lack of control over my big blushing over face your, over your face um yourself. yeah i don't oh i i feel like um this is a, a thing that gets said a lot certainly it's a conversation had a lot by by women uh we too we just focus on what we hate about ourselves physically a lot and i that's not a, a glib generalization that's just the truth no it's a fair it's a fair observation and, it, and it's annoying i find when i'm in in company and and the conversation goes there i just despair even though i partake in it i'm like oh still we still do this and yeah because you feel like at least 
two generations of women now have been told, stop looking at beauty magazines. They only make you feel ugly. It, the, the system is designed yeah. to force you to rate yourself. Maybe don't do that, you know? And then I wonder, is, is, is there a difference between words and actions, right? So it's like, oh no, just love the person for inside yourself and all this kind of crap. And then, then you see like the world actually doesn't really run on those lines. And yeah. Well, right. also, you're talking about that's one message that's gotten out, but there's still sure. tons of beauty magazines. They still have generations of 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 women raising girls to be conscious of their appearance. And and even though I had a, f- a fantastic mother who wasn't overly that way, it's still there. Like it, it would still be in myself and my sister's. Um, consciousness way more than my brothers about about our looks and about our weight and about things like that so it's not a question of like and here I am spending ages on it um, and what I think what comes to mind for me is uh, it's funny because I feel it's something I wasn't born with so no. my appearance is what I was born with the thing I don't like is something that is a byproduct of growing old and eating and drinking a certain way and that is you know weight around my belly and that but that's not like that's not really accurate when it comes to my actual I feel quite lucky I I quite like my my face and my body I quite like how I look and uh the stuff I don't like is stuff that I feel is kind of my fault um more of it (laughs) I just feel fair enough I mean you know like 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 I think if you were like like I hate my dad's nose on my face yeah yeah well look at these yeah, these responses. Yeah, I had, I, had um, I do have my dad's nose in my nose. I don't, I don't hate it. Um, hmm. I remember years ago going for a haircut in in Melbourne, and yeah. um, I, I have this kind of wave in my hair, yeah. and I and I always know to get my haircut when I see the wave, um, and it's literally my dad's wave, you know. And um, yeah. uh, would you call it a uh, cow's lick? Yeah, you would. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, my, uh, I remember going to this 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 hairdresser. And uh, sitting down and having a shop, and he said, "Oh, you know, time for a haircut." I said, "Yes, I, I you know, the, the, the wave is always there." So, oh, uh, why, why is the, you know, he said, oh, that, that's your father's." He said, "You should just learn to accept your dad." And yeah. I was like, "What?" And he goes, "He's just accept your father." And I was like, "What? Just cut my hair." <laughs> Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> I didn't come here for therapy. You know, <laughs> cut the goddamn hair. But it, it really struck me afterwards. Yeah. He was right, you know. Yeah. He was absolutely right, um, mm. and uh, yeah, he, he, it is interesting then to see the same thing, of course, with my sons. Of course, you know. Yeah. So, so it is interesting. You do have to accept certain parts of yourself, and it's you can't really change them if you don't like your dad's nose or whatever. You know, I mean, you might, well, well, you might well, choose cosmetic surgery or whatever. But you, you technically could, but yeah. do you want to? You know, and and yeah. I mean, and that's not a comment on anyone who who has partaken in any kind of, of cosmetic surgery, okay. but it is whether or not that's, I suppose that's quite a bold step to take um, before addressing, well, maybe should I accept? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so what the public said, our response was, uh, my weight, my height, nose, wrinkles. My face can't hide my feelings. Oh. Another Stephen there. My hair, I can't get it right. <laughs> Multiple chins and big tummy. My teeth. I'm a little too big around the middle. So a little bit of both of us in there. Yeah, yeah. And you would say like everything, right? I mean, I mean, so, so you got people who don't like their noses, they don't like their wrinkles. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. 
That's interesting. Um, yeah, so it's... Um, so... I think let's let's move on question wise because I think you and I could get caught into any of these for any okay. length of time. <laughs> but um, it is an interesting thing to look at your parents and go, you might get like that opposite feeling of actually, you know what? Yeah, I like my hair. I mm. I used to like my hair, but now I do. Or I used to like my nose, but now I do. And yep. so, which living person do you? Oh, or is this me? Do I answer this first now and then you? Yeah, go for it. Which living person do you most despise? Well, I, yeah, it's, it's in the ether at the moment. But I would have to say Donald Trump because I feel he has done horrific damage to the world, horrific damage to society. He has given very poor example to children. I feel people will be suffering for years and years to come because of his behaviours. Apart from the legislation and the other shit he's pulled, mm. he has actually damaged evolution yeah how about you um i'm going to broaden it out because because uh, spoiler i think almost everyone who answered this question said trump really so i'm going to say okay i'm going to say um the person i most despise like is is a class of person okay it's a person who's they see something and they know it's not right they step over it anyway mm. or they ignore it anyway like it's that person i fucking despise them <laughs> i despise them uh and it, 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 it it's it's at all levels so you're like you see somebody i saw somebody the other day i went for a walk and i saw somebody and there was a there was a there was there was a toilet roll like just a toilet roll like an actual toilet roll yeah and it was like in this, in Glenstall Abbey, somebody just obviously had fallen out of the back of a, a bag or something. Mm. And it was like sodden and destroyed. And this person just literally walked over it. Right. And I was like, you know, that's not supposed to be there. There's a bend <laughs> down the fucking road. Come on. So I picked up this disgusting manky toilet roll and I walked down the street. Now that's not because I'm not saying I'm so amazing because I pick up litter. I do mm. pick up litter. But my point is most people don't. Yeah. Um, another kind of, w- when you see something that's just wrong and you yes. don't, like say it you know or you don't do something about it it's like you know people go oh my god this is terrible someone should do something it's like no you should do something yeah. you know um i was listening to a, a social democrat td her name is holly cairns yes and she's from cork and i was listening to a podcast that she gave recently and she was saying you know she just it seems like what animates the woman into politics is just anger you know and i think that i think the the person I most despise is somebody who like sees a fraud, but doesn't say that's a fraud. And therefore like in a certain sense is a fraud. Yeah. Like there's that, there's that thing of it's, it's an old idea. It's very, very old. It's an 8,000 year old idea. Yeah. But it's that thing of like, hang on a second. You need to be true to your word. Yeah. Um, Have you, have you, um, have you read a book called the four agreements? No. So the, the the book um, I forget who wrote it, uh, but basically it's 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 an it's an Aztec or Taltec set of principles. And the yeah. first is be impeccable with your word. So actually, if you're going to do something, say you're going to do it. Yeah. You know. But uh, but the 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 another one is like always do your best. Yeah. And even if your best is crap, if it's your best in the moment, that's fine. Um. There there there's a. I forget what the other two are right now, but it'll come to me in a minute. But it's that that that, that idea of like just be consistent. 
Right. You know, um, I think we'd, we'd all be better off if maybe we were a little bit more consistent. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the problem Absolutely. is if you if you follow my logic all the way down, you reach Puritanism, which okay. is not ideal either. You know? <laughs> mm. Well, that is um, that. Well, you know, we we like to to keep things interesting in this in this. Uh, so Stephen yes. Kinsella advocates S- Puritanism. <laughs> se- secret totalitarian, you know. No, like you said, I did a quick flick through most the most of the people actually did list Trump as well and what he stands for are people who hurt children for their pleasure was another one. And uh, I think Katie Hopkins and Jordan Peterson snuck in there as well. Um, yeah, this fella, he's an interesting man actually, Jordan Peterson. Uh, do you know, do you, have you read his stuff? Uh, I've come across him. Yeah, he's. I, I think what's interesting is he's 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 a bit like a sort of a thinking person's. Um, he's a thinking person's. Ah, uh, oh, I'm, I'm terrible at names today. She ran as the vice president presidential candidate for John McCain in 2008. Oh, Sarah. Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. So Sarah Palin, you know, she's the forerunner for Donald Trump, right? So mm-hmm. she's you know ignorant and 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 you know believes conspiracies and all this kind of stuff. And Peterson is 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 he's just tapping into this wellspring of anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that you have all these people for whom any kind of equalization or normalization feels like all of their rights are being taken away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that the, they're able to speak to and weaponize that anger. Um, and I think that that people like Peterson, who is now a millionaire based on his book, which says like, you know, be like a lobster and, you know, make your fucking bed and all this. Like mm. these, the, you know, the, he's, he's sort of giving you an intellectual framework for why, for why your sense of aggrievement is correct. Right. And yeah. why, you know, basically you should go out there and do your best to dominate. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, I, I find that, I find the message, you know, the message is not has not gone well in progressive circles. Yeah. But it plays it plays like the bangers in, in you know men's rights activists and stuff like that. Mm. Um, like all things, there's a there's a grain of truth in what he's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, problem is you can take a grain of truth and try to build a, ca- a castle out of it. Uh, right. and that's sort of what he's done. Like I've i I often find this people who take a, a nice idea or even one that's like empirically verified. And then they go, now everything is like that. You know, they don't allow the nuance, the complexity, the context into the situation. Happens all the time. Hmm. And specifically, if you want to sell a book, you you can't, you know, you can't, you have to take a big thing. If you want to sell a a lot of books, you've got to take a big thing that everyone experiences, lash a bit of science at it, small bit, not too much. And uh, away you go best two examples of that book of a best-selling book about sleep everyone sleeps so you want to yeah. know a bit more about sleeping yeah read this book yeah breathing everyone breathes you know yeah, How to breathe yeah. better you know again it's, it's one of those small things you quite like to do yeah um but books about walking there's a great book called walking by erling Kaga, and uh yeah it's a fun book but uh you know i bought it in fact i bought all of them but 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 the point is that that uh you know, if, if, if generalized uh, male anger, you know, there's a lot of that going around too. Sell a lot of books. Well, it's it's funny because I, 
it's a it's an interesting kind of observation I feel I've made. I have no thesis. I've no book written on this. But yes. I think there is a longing in all of us to have been some form of victim of injustice, whatever it is, because then you have a you something it's not just to it's not just to um what you call it um if you've been some kind of victim of injustice then you can march in the streets you can go my rights were taken from me my home was taken from me whatever it was and uh i came out really late in life i was 31 and suddenly i was like jesus um there's all these awful atrocities happening on the world to gay people and also oh god i'm in that camp now and you know when i found myself uh you know needing to kind of protest and work for equal rights around stuff I didn't particularly love it but then I kind of did I was a little bit in love with my own struggle it was kind of great and I do feel that there is this longing to be wronged so you can assert your own rights and unfortunately it's a really good reaction to have to to protect yourself and and, and to advocate for yourself but unfortunately if you really have never experienced what it's like to not have full rights, and I'm not saying I'm even in that camp fully as a privileged first world Western woman, white, uh, that I am, um, then you can kind of look for it. And, and I've seen it, I, I've seen it in a lot of different groups, that kind of longing to be oppressed so you kind of... Uh, you know, thing for yourself. So, Stephen, what, <laughs> this time around, I, we only got to two questions as opposed to uh, last week. We did quite well, and um, and uh, yeah. so we'll we'll just keep peppering the Proust questionnaire. We're we're getting a, we're getting through it. We'll we'll pepper through it. it we'll pepper through another few episodes. But I am conscious of time, and uh, you are a busy man. So we'll we'll leave it there this week. We only got through two questions, but that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. I I, I think. Um... One thing we might talk about uh, maybe in the future uh, is uh, is um, the theory of intersectionality. Mm-hmm. So so this I'm really, really interested in this. Okay. And I think this is fascinating. Do, do, do you mess about with Google Ngrams? No. Okay. So Google Ngrams is basically they went back through all the books, the old books, whatever. And if you were interested to, you go, it's literally N like the letter N and then gram. Okay. What they do is you can type in a word like feminism and you can see that it wasn't that big a deal in 1820. And now lots and lots of books have the word feminism in it. You can type it into sectionality and, you know, it's only oh, really a big deal since 1999, Crenshaw's famous paper and so forth. But yeah. um, what's, what's, what's fascinating is the interplay of different ideas when they become a big deal. And when you can watch ideas wow. sort of get like a peak and then go down and some of them are longer lasting. So we might do a little bit of a trip through and yeah. um, the theory of intersectionality at some point, because it's so, so interesting. Yeah. The idea is you might have one or two constraints on you, right? So relative to, so it's always relative to some like sort of perfect uh, version of, you know, some homogenous male, white, heterosexual, middle class, you know, but everybody who's not that has something. So you might be, uh, you might be gay, you might be disabled, you might be black, you might like, there's loads of, and the point is that there are multiple comp- constraints sitting on, on people um, and, and uh, at various different times. Uh, it's a really interesting theory. Okay. Um, and, you know, so people say like, it's really important to be feminist and intersectional, for example. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a cool theory. Um, it's a cool theory. No, without some serious problems, by the way. Very, very serious problems. Um, the, the biggest problem with intersectionality, I mean, shit, I got to go. Sorry, I really yeah. have to go. No <laughs> worries. Go. But Next a, time. Uh, I love how I left it on a massive. 
cliffhanger. The biggest problem with intersectionality, dot, 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 legged it. Gotta um, go. Tune in next week we'll, in Stephen we'll Holtz. T- tune in next week when, when, uh, when uh, Stephen holds forth or probably forgets that he said it. Well, until then, Stephen, have a lovely week. I look forward Thank to chatting to you so then. Okay. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff. A Limerick Post podcast produced by Eric Fitzgerald. Theme tune is performed and composed by David Blake. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. You can now follow the show on Twitter at AnnSteveTalk. Get Stephen at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne at AnnBlake78. That's an Anne without an E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post.